We read from three short passages of scripture, each of which pertains to the fourth commandment, beginning in Genesis 2. Then we will read the two statements of the fourth commandment in Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5, taking note of the slight differences in those two statements of the commandment, which we will look at in a little more detail in the course of the sermon. So we begin our scripture reading in Genesis chapter 2 with verses 1 through 8. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day. And sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth, when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground." But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Now we turn to Exodus 20, the familiar first giving of the Ten Commandments, and we read verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now we turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5, which also records the Ten Commandments, but is the second giving of the Ten Commandments to Israel shortly before they entered into the land of Canaan. So in Deuteronomy chapter 5, we will read verses 12 through 15. Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter nor thy manservant nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor any of thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. On the basis of these passages and all of Scripture, we turn to Lord's Day 38 of the Catechism, continuing the Catechism's instruction on the Ten Commandments. 
Coming now to the fourth. Page 22 in the Psalter, question 103. What doth God require in the fourth commandment? First, that the ministry of the gospel and the schools be maintained, and that I, especially on the Sabbath, that is, on the day of rest, diligently frequent the church of God to hear his word, to use the sacraments, publicly to call upon the Lord and contribute to the relief of the poor, as becomes a Christian. Secondly, that all the days of my life I cease from my evil works and yield myself to the Lord to work by his Holy Spirit in me and thus begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. Beloved in the Lord, the sermon this morning is going to have a narrow focus. Narrow focus on one important phrase in answer 38, which we find in the second line in our Psalters. Especially on the Sabbath day, that is, on the day of rest. A little phrase right in answer 103 makes a significant statement. It makes the statement that today, in the New Testament age, there is a Sabbath day. There is a God designated day of rest which God has given to the New Testament church as a gift, and which God commands us to observe for his own glory and for our own well-being. There is a Sabbath day. And that statement of the catechism is one that is not without controversy, especially in our day and age when the the thinking is very popular that the Sabbath day was something that simply belonged to the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, we are freed from any obligation to observe a Sabbath day. Our catechism, on the basis of Scripture and in the line of the Reformed tradition, says, no, there is a Sabbath day that you and I are called to observe a Sabbath day in which we are called to rest in a special way. And Lord's Day 38 then preoccupies itself with explaining how we are to rest on the Sabbath day. That's what the rest of the answer is concerned with. The God-ordained spiritual activities which constitute Sabbath rest. And we're going to look at those next time. Next time we're going to focus more closely on how we rest on the Sabbath day. But the concept of the Sabbath day itself is rich enough and weighty enough that we can devote a sermon to it. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to take two Sundays on Lord's Day 38. And this morning we're going to focus on the Sabbath day itself and unpack what this day is is as a day of rest. From the beginning, we want to see that the Sabbath day 
is a gift of God. When we think about the Sabbath day, we need to have a positive view of it. The Sabbath day is not a day about a bunch of rules. It's not a day that in our minds should be defined by, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do all these things. No, it's a day that is given as a gift of God to us, for us to rest, for us to rejoice, for us to fellowship, for us to be strengthened for the week that is ahead of us. The presentation of the Sabbath day in the scriptures is a positive one. The presentation of the Sabbath day in the catechism is a positive one. It is a gift of God, our creator, who knows our frame and our needs. It is a gift of God, our redeemer and father, who cares for us spiritually as well as in the body. And we will see that the Sabbath day as a gift of God is something we need. Something delightful. Something to look forward to. Every week. As it's spring break, we look forward to taking time off, going on vacation, and those are times of relaxation and rest. And those are good things too. There's a time and a place for vacation. But the Sabbath day is the best day of rest. And the wonderful thing is, God gives us a Sabbath day every week. Every week. One whole day. For rest, refreshment, rejuvenation, strengthening. We want to see what a gift the Sabbath day is. And so this morning we're going to focus on the concept of the Sabbath itself. Our simple theme is the Sabbath day. And we'll unpack that statement referenced the beginning of the introduction. The Sabbath day. We're going to look first at what it is. What's the idea of Sabbath? Secondly, when? When? Do we observe the Sabbath day? And while that question might seem rather obvious to us, it is worth taking a few moments to consider it. When? And then finally, we will conclude with why. Why has God given us a Sabbath day? And there will be briefer because that's going to be the transition into next week in which we talk about how we rest on the Sabbath. So let's begin with what? What is the Sabbath day? The Sabbath day is... A day that God himself has set aside for a wonderful purpose. For rest. And we all readily recognize we need rest. The origin of this day of rest is to be traced not back just to Sinai, where the Ten Commandments were given to the Old Testament church, but we can trace the origin of the Sabbath all the way back to Genesis 2, which we read, back to the creation week. The fourth commandment itself grounds itself in creation. Exodus 20 verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. For indicates the reason why we are to observe the fourth commandment and keep the Sabbath day. Because in six days God made the world and on the seventh day as Genesis 2 shows us, God rested. And so that points out right from the beginning, that the Sabbath day is a special institution. The Sabbath day is a creation ordinance of God. And thus, the fourth commandment, when it 
commands us to observe the Sabbath day, sets forth a a universal command that is binding upon all men everywhere and at all times. It's part of God's moral law. It demands the obedience of man just as much as the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill. It's a creation ordinance, the Sabbath is. And that means the Sabbath has the same enduring character that other creation ordinances of God have. So you think of marriage, for example. Marriage is a creation ordinance. God created it, instituted it in the beginning, and intends for it to continue until the end of this age. And so it is with the Sabbath. Now, more specifically, what is the Sabbath day? Well, the Sabbath day was the day God rested from his work of creating. That's what the first Sabbath was. God rested from his work of creating. His work in the creation week was finished. It was complete. And so God rested from that work and took delight in his finished work, rejoiced in the works of his hands. That's the first Sabbath. God rested. Genesis 2 verse 2 is the key verse in this connection. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all His work which he had made. God rested. Now, children, when the Bible says God rested, you know that means something a little bit different than when we rest, right? Because God is very different from us. He's not a creature, flesh and blood like we are. And so that means God resting didn't mean that God had to sleep. His rest wasn't recovery, getting strength back. God's work week, as we might call it, the six days of creation, God's work week didn't tire him out. His strength and energy weren't spent, like ours becomes after a work week. As we go into spring break, lots of us are happy. We have a little time off. It's been busy. We're tired. We're weary from our work. But God doesn't get weary. That's not what God's rest is. Isaiah 40, verse 28, The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. And so that's amazing. You Think about that. How easily we get tired after a week, work, a week of work. God created the universe in a week. And he wasn't tired. None of his energy was spent. God never tires. So rest isn't recovery. But also God's rest isn't idleness. It isn't sitting around doing nothing. After God created, he didn't stop doing things. God is never idle. That's a good thing, too. It's a good thing. If God were to be idle, this world would fall apart. God's providence. You know what God's providence is, right? His almighty, everywhere present power by which he upholds all things and governs All things, the universe, as it were, sits in the divine hands of God. And if God were to stop working, stop being active for a moment, the universe would fall apart. If he were to withdraw his hand of providence, the universe would cease to exist. And that points out to us, God resting doesn't mean God was idle. He's never idle. One of the amazing perfections of God's divine being is that he is always at perfect rest and always perfectly active. We can't comprehend that because as creatures... Resting and work, they often don't happen at the same time. So God's rest isn't recovery, it's not idleness. What was it? Well, Genesis 2 verse 2, 
and verse 3 explains what sort of rest God's rest was. God ceased from the work of creating. That's the first part. First of two parts of God's rest. He he ceased the work of creating. Genesis 2 verse 2. God ended his work which he had made. And that Hebrew word ended means completed, was finished with. The world was made. The work was done. What work? Not all God's activity, not all of God's working, but he ceased from a specific work. He ended his work which he had made. That is, he finished creation. The work of creation was done. And so he rested from that work. But now, the main part of God's rest is this, that having finished his work, he rejoiced in the work of his hands. He entered into the enjoyment of his finished creation. Think about that. We, we, we need to think that way. God, our God, is not the God of the deists who's just out there, who isn't concerned with his creation, who couldn't care less what goes on in this world. No, God created this world, and he rejoices in the work of his hands. And that was God's rest. On the seventh day of the creation week, he rejoiced in the work of his hands, which Genesis 1 tells us over and over, was good. Good in whose eyes? God's eyes. He rejoiced, and he delighted in the work of his hands, and he entered into the enjoyment of his finished creation. All of the aspects of the creation, from the land and the plants and the animals that he put in the world to inhabit it, to the sky, to the seas, to the mountains, to the very pinnacle of his creation, Adam and Eve, with whom he established a special covenant relationship with, whom he put in the Garden of Eden, his inner sanctuary that he prepared, where he would live with them, Adam and Eve, with whom he walked and talked in the cool of the day. That was God's rest. And that's the foundation of the Sabbath. That's where the Sabbath day comes from. The first Sabbath, the Sabbath of God, the seventh day of the creation week. But now, God instituted the Sabbath day for us. He instituted it as a day of rest for us. And God's rest on the Sabbath day of the creation week is then the pattern for our Sabbath rest. God commands us to rest. After six days of work. Just as he did in that very first week of time in history. Our life, the rhythm of our life is patterned after God's creation week. That makes sense. We were created to be God's image bearers and we are God's image bearers. It's restored to us in Jesus Christ. And as God's image bearers, we reflect God. We reflect his beauty. We reflect his glory. And we reflect him even in this way, that the pattern of our lives is modeled after his creation week. He worked six days and rested. We work six days and rested. And so the Lord commands us, remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. Exodus 20 verse 8. And then verses 9 through 11 tell us how we keep the Sabbath day. Six days thou shalt labor, but the seventh is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. And so we notice that the fourth commandment concerning the Sabbath has to do with both 
rest and with work. There's a command to work in the fourth commandment. The main idea of the fourth commandment is rest on the Sabbath day, but that's not all the commandment says. The fourth commandment also gives us instructions for the six days leading up to the Sabbath. Work. Six days shalt, is a command, shalt thou labor and do all thy work. And so that shows us that part of remembering and keeping the Sabbath day is faithfully working on the six other days so that we may rest rightly on the Sabbath day. Here's the pattern for daily life. Six days that God gives us to be profitably and productively engaged in good work. And then a seventh day, we lay that work aside and we rest with him. God has given us six days to work. We must understand that that's a gift of God too. The end of the introduction, we said the Sabbath is God's gift, a day of rest. Every week we get a day of rest. But let's also see the six days to work are not six days of misery. Though in the fallen condition of this world, there is much toil in our work and there is misery. But we ought to see the six days of work also as a gift of God. There's six days given to us to serve God in work. We're commanded to work just as God worked. Ephesians 5 verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. As God's children, we are followers of God our Father. We're followers of him in his creation week. We work six days. Rest one day. You see, work is not a result of the fall. Maybe sometimes we're tempted to think that way. If the job day isn't, or the day at the job site isn't going well. But work itself is not the curse. The toil, the sweat, the pain that accompanies work in this fallen world, that's a result of the curse. But work was there before the fall. Genesis 2, 15. God put man in the garden to sit there idle all day? No. To dress and to keep it. Work. Work. So what work? What work does the the fourth commandment call us to be profitably and productively engaged in in the six days of the week? Our vocation, our calling, every single one of us, young, old, married, single, parent, child, whatever state of life we are in, every single one of us in our present circumstances has a calling of God to work. Whether you're a father and a husband going to work five or six days a week at the office or the job site or wherever it may be, that's your vocation, that's your calling from God to work to provide for your family. Or if you're a mother in the home, keeping the home, raising the children, doing the manifold work and tasks that accompany that important calling. Whether you're a young person or a child, going to school, going to college, that's your work. That's your calling right now. And the fourth commandment addresses that. The fourth commandment says to you, workers, and that's all of us, Work faithfully. Work faithfully throughout the six days of the week. Work cheerfully. 
Think of a verse like Colossians 3, verses 23 through 24. Could call these verses the Christian workman's motto. We ought to think of these verses often when we, do, when we go to our jobs or we do our work, especially when our work is unpleasant. Colossians 3, verses 23 and 24. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord Christ. And there's an important point. There's the Christian perspective of work. No matter what your job is, no matter what your vocation is, no matter what you do, During the six days of the week. Whatever your work is. It's service to God. He's called you to it. And you're doing it. Faithfully. Cheerfully. Even when it's hard and unpleasant. Brings glory to his name. That's the dignity. That the scriptures set upon work. Regardless of what the world says about your job. Whether the world thinks it's a a high and respectable job, or whether the the world calls it something lowly and to be despised. In the eyes of God, whether you're in the office, whether you're running a company, whether you're cleaning bathrooms, whether you're changing a dirty diaper, it's service to Him. And it has dignity. And it glorifies Him. We're given six days to labor in our callings. The glory of His name. So apply that. Workers, whatever kind of worker you are, husband and father in the workplace, you're there to provide for your family. Yes, that's very important. But even before that, you're there to glorify God. Mother in the home, doing all of those tasks. You're caring for your family. It's a beautiful covenant thing. Great is the reward in the eyes of God. First of all, you're serving God. Children, you're sitting in school, days dragging, want to go home. Remember, you're not just there because you have to learn stuff so that you can be successful in this world, but you're there to serve God. Do your schoolwork. Do it well. Put energy and put work into it. You're serving Jesus when you do your schoolwork. In whatever state we are, we're called to work and to serve. And that shows us a very important thing. Work is worship. Work done to the glory of God, whatever it is, is worship. That's how we need to see work. Worship is not just confined to the Sabbath day. It's not this, that God gives us one day a week to worship. No, we worship every day of every week. The Sabbath is a special day of rest and we worship God by resting. But we also worship God the six other days. And we worship God by faithfully laboring in our callings. Work is worship to the glory of God. Alright, so we've seen what the sixth, or what, rather what the fourth commandment has to say about work. But now we have to get to the heart of it. The Sabbath day day of rest, God has given us so that we might rest as he rested. And the main thrust of the fourth commandment is to rest. Rest on the Sabbath day. And the character then of our Sabbath rest 
is patterned after God's own rest on the fourth day. And so you remember the two main parts of God's rest. It was ceasing from his finished work. And then mainly rejoicing in the work of his hands. And entering into the enjoyment of that work. That was God's rest. And now our Sabbath rest on the Sabbath day mirrors God's rest. And so first. The Sabbath day for us is a day of rest. And that rest is enjoyed by ceasing our work. In it, the fourth commandment says, in it thou shalt not do any work. Now there are layers to this. We are to cease our ordinary, regular, everyday work and recreation Like God, we are to rest from our work. That doesn't mean being idle or ceasing all activities. God wasn't idle. God didn't cease all activity. But he ceased a certain work, the work of creating. And so too, we are instructed to cease all of our regular, everyday work. There are some activities and even some work that has to be done. Some works of necessity, work of mercy, the basic work of... Preparing food and the like. But our job, our homework, children, our our everyday work, that we are called to, to set aside. The work we do around the home, cleaning, whatever it may be, yard work, we're called to set aside for a day. And the reason is not that work on one day of the week suddenly becomes evil. No, the reason we are called to set aside our work is so that we may be freed. So that we may free ourselves to be fully occupied in the spiritual activities of the Sabbath day which constitute true Sabbath rest. We cease from our work to be refreshingly busy in Sabbath activities. We lay aside our work so that we can dedicate a whole day to God and his worship. We lay aside our work in order to make room for the best and most profitable things. Worship, hearing God's word, fellowshipping with his people, with family. We lay aside work in order that we may rest. Spiritually first, but also Physically too. The whole man rests on the Sabbath day. And so Sabbath rest is first of all ceasing from our ordinary work and recreation. An application of that is again coming back to the positive focus of the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is not about checking off a list of don't do's. It's not all it is. We haven't kept the Sabbath day if we just say, well, I, I didn't go to work, didn't mow the lawn. I didn't do this or that. No. The negative is there to serve the positive. We don't work in order that we may do other things. Spiritual things. That we may rest. And that brings us to the second part of Sabbath day rest. Ceasing from our work as God ceased from his finished work of creation. In order that we may enter into the enjoyment of a finished work. 
God, on the seventh day, entered into the enjoyment of his finished work of creation. He entered into the enjoyment of the works of his hands. He delighted in them. He rejoiced in them. And that's the heart of our Sabbath rest as well. Whose finished work? God's. Our Sabbath rest is rejoicing in, delighting in, enjoying God's finished work. And now especially this, God's finished work of salvation in Jesus Christ. And Here's where we come to the important added details in Deuteronomy 5, the second giving of God's law. You'll notice in Deuteronomy 5 verse 15, there is an expansion, there is an enlargement upon the basis for the fourth commandment. In Exodus chapter 20, the fourth commandment is grounded in the creation week and the creation week alone. God rested the seventh day, therefore you are to rest on the seventh day. But Deuteronomy 5 verse 15 adds something very important. Deuteronomy 5 15. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore, indicating, here's another reason, therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day not only looks back upon God's finished work of creation, but for the Old Testament church it looked back on God's finished work of the exodus. God's deliverance of his people from the bondage of Egypt through the mediator, Moses. And you, you see there where this typology is pointing. For the New Testament believer, the Sabbath day looks back upon another and better exodus accomplished through a better mediator of whom Moses was but a picture. The Sabbath day looks back on the rest that God gives us through the spiritual exodus that Jesus Christ has accomplished for us, delivering us from the bondage of sin into the new life of Canaan. Our Sabbath rest is enjoying, rejoicing, and delighting in all of the benefits of the exodus that Jesus Christ has accomplished for us. From the bondage of sin, through the very grave itself, into newness of life. The finished work that we rejoice in gives us rest the Sabbath day. It's the finished work of redemption in Jesus Christ. Redemption from sin, its bondage, its power, the tyranny of the devil, the punishment our sins deserve, redemption, the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's the work that is at the center of the Sabbath day. That's what the Sabbath day is all about. God's finished work in Jesus Christ for us. And now we rest in it. We rejoice in it. We enjoy it. We are refreshed by the multitude of benefits that flow to us from that work. That's Sabbath rest. For the New Testament Christian, Sabbath rest 
is rest in Jesus and his finished work. That's what we do here when we come to church on Sunday. Not only here, but the whole Sabbath day. We rest in Christ. And that's what spiritually refreshes us. Christ spiritually refreshes the Christian. He's the bread of life. He's the living water. There is nothing else that can truly refresh our soul and soothe our pains and strengthen us for the week ahead, the spiritual battle as well as the earthly troubles that we face. Christ, we are spiritually refreshed in Him. And all of the activities of the Sabbath day that we're going to look at next week that are enumerated in this Lord's Day, all of those spiritual activities are resting in Christ. Those are the activities of spiritual rest. And so on the Sabbath, we rest in so many ways. We have the rest of hearing the gospel, resting with a quieted conscience. Being freed from fear, fear of punishment, fear of the wrath of God. As we hear the gospel proclaimed, your sins are forgiven. You're righteous in Jesus Christ. Sabbath rest is delighting in God and approaching him in the full assurance of faith that we are received of him through Jesus Christ. Sabbath rest is fellowshipping with God and with our fellow saints. Sabbath rest is unburdening our soul in the gathered congregation through public prayers, through the singing of the psalms. Sabbath rest is rejoicing in the God of our salvation, singing unto him the words of thanksgiving, offering to him the sacrifice of praise. Sabbath rest is setting aside Everything so that we might be fully engaged in the rest that Jesus has given us. What a day. What a day the Sabbath day is. It's the best holiday. It's the best rest day. And our God is so good. He gives us a Sabbath every week. Let us see the Sabbath. As a delight. But now having gotten through the bulk of the material that the sermon will treat this morning. We come now to the second point and face another question. When? When? God has instituted the Sabbath as a day of rest. We've seen that. Scripture teaches that. The catechism teaches it on the basis of Scripture. There is a day of rest for God's people in the New Testament. But when? When must the Sabbath be kept? And that's an important question. After all, in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, we read that the Sabbath that God instituted is the seventh day of the week. It's not Saturday today, is it? And why are we here? Keeping the Sabbath day. Why are we here on Sunday? The first day of the week. Why does the New Testament church observe the Sabbath on Sunday rather than Saturday? Now, for us, that might seem like an obvious question. We, we, we know the basic answer to that question, but it's an important question because there are various groups, Sabbatarian groups, that would insist that we must honor the Sabbath on Saturday, on the seventh day. And so we need to know why we keep the Sabbath on Sunday. We need to understand the biblical basis for it. 
And when we do, it enriches our understanding of the Sabbath day itself. And so this question, when, is not a pointless question. It's worth our while taking a couple minutes to explore it and answer it. When. The Sabbath for the New Testament church is observed Sunday, the first day of the week. The day of Jesus' resurrection. And the reason is that Jesus Christ himself, who is the Lord of the Sabbath, through his finished work, has brought the Sabbath day to a higher degree of fulfillment. And that explains the change from the Old Testament Sabbath being on Saturday to the New Testament Sabbath being on Sunday. Through Jesus' work, he raised the Sabbath day to a new level or degree of fulfillment. Jesus' finished work of redemption demanded this change. Let's look at that a little bit. That means we go to Jesus' resurrection. That's why our Sabbath is Sunday, the first day of the week. Because it is the day upon which the Lord Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus finished his work of redemption Friday when he said, It is finished. And committed his spirit into the hands of his father and died and his soul went to heaven. That's the day his work was finished. But now, when did Jesus enter into the full enjoyment of his finished work? Both body and soul. Resurrection Sunday. When he arose unto newness of life, it is at the resurrection that Jesus Christ, body and soul, enters into the enjoyment of all of the fruits of his finished work. He arose with newness of life. He enjoyed in body and soul a new life. And that resurrection then was the seal and proof of Jesus' victory on the cross. The resurrection proclaims Jesus conquered death. He took away the sins of his people. He has obtained eternal redemption for them. The resurrection is the proclamation of victory. It's the proclamation of work accomplished. And it is at the resurrection that Jesus enters into the enjoyment of rest. Rest. And Jesus' resurrection then brings to us a far richer and fuller rest. As the living Savior. He communicates to us all of the blessings he earned on the cross. It's important. A dead Savior could not give us his blessings, but a living Savior pours out those blessings upon us. Jesus entered into rest on Resurrection Sunday. And on Resurrection Sunday, he began pouring out the gifts of his finished work. And so you see, How it makes perfect sense that Jesus, through his resurrection, takes the Old Testament seventh day Sabbath and raises it to a higher level, a higher degree of fulfillment, the New Testament resurrection day Sabbath. Because the resurrection is the proclamation of our Sabbath rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Jesus' resurrection fulfills the types and shadows of the Old Testament Sabbath. 
The Sabbath in the New Testament doesn't simply look back on the Exodus. It looks back on the cross and the empty tomb. Fuller, richer Sabbath rest. And so the resurrection of Christ has consecrated Sunday as the day of Sabbath rest for the New Testament church. And Jesus, he's the only one with the authority to make this change. He is, after all, the Lord of the Sabbath. And it is within his power and right, as the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament types, to change the outward form of the Sabbath day. An institution that remains substantially the same throughout Old and New Testament, but he changes the outward form from the Old Testament seventh day to in the New Testament, Sunday, the day of his resurrection. So, why Sunday? Because Jesus made it so. And that's why the rest of the scriptures, the rest of the New Testament scriptures, show us that the early church celebrated the Sabbath on Sunday. Jesus led the way. After his resurrection, a very interesting fact in scripture is that Jesus appeared to his disciples after his resurrection on Sunday. And that was intentional. It's not just that Jesus had time to show up on Sunday. That's the day that worked out for him. No, he intentionally appeared to them on Sunday. A couple of verses. First, in John 20. Both of them will be from John 20. John 20, verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Notice John emphasizes, being the first day of the week. And isn't it striking? On Resurrection Sunday, Jesus appears. He speaks to his disciples. He speaks, peace be unto you. Rest. He gives the rest of his resurrection to his disciples on that Sunday. He's consecrating that first day of the week as the New Testament Sabbath. And here we are in the New Testament Sabbath on Sunday, hearing the gospel of peace proclaimed. Jesus started it. Going on in John chapter 20. John chapter 20 verse 26. And after eight days again his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Jesus does it again the very next Sunday. He's making a point by his example. This is the day of rest. So it's not surprising that when Pentecost came and the ascended Christ poured out the Spirit on the the church, it was on Sunday, the day of rest. The comforter, the rest-giving Spirit of the Prince of Peace is poured out on the church. Sunday. You can go through the Bible and see the apostolic witness confirms this. Revelation 1.10 John receives the vision that would become the book of Revelation. He says, 
on the Lord's Day. Very quickly, the New Testament church called Sunday the Lord's Day. Acts 20 verse 7. Paul is in Troas after the third missionary journey. And he preaches on the first day of the week. Because it was on the first day of the week, Acts 20 verse 7 tells us, on the first day of the week, that the Christians in Troas regularly gathered for the breaking of bread. Not only to have fellowship and a meal together, but to celebrate the Lord's Supper, worship, so forth. And so, it's very clear from Scripture, when, when, the Bible makes clear, Sunday is the New Testament Sabbath. You might ask, well, why doesn't God then just give an explicit command, honor the Sabbath on Sunday? And the simple answer is he doesn't need to. We have the example of Jesus Christ. And when we understand what the resurrection was, it makes perfect sense that Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, has changed the day to Sunday. But no specific command is needed because this change from Saturday to Sunday took place naturally. It was part of the natural transition from the old dispensation to the new dispensation. Think about how many Old Testament ceremonies and institutions which are fulfilled in Christ were naturally changed to suit the New Testament age. For example, circumcision. The Bible doesn't give us an explicit command, stop circumcising and start baptizing. But that transition took place naturally. The sign is the same. It remains substantially the same. But the form changes to suit the age of fulfillment. The shedding of blood and circumcision was no longer appropriate for the New Testament. And so circumcision, which is fulfilled in baptism, naturally changed. And circumcision fell away. And baptism was practiced in the New Testament church. The same is true of the Sabbath. There was a natural transition from the Old Testament Sabbath Saturday the New Testament, Sunday. When? Sunday. And if anyone challenges that, college students, you go to college and you'll meet a whole range of views about the Sabbath. You might find people that challenge, why, why Sunday? The fourth commandment says Saturday. Here's the answer. We have firm biblical basis. When? Sunday. The day of resurrection. We conclude by briefly answering the question, why? We've seen what the Sabbath day is. We've seen when it is to be observed. Why has God given us this gift? Two basic reasons, which are woven together like a braid. God's glory, our good. Woven together. That's a wonderful thing the Bible reveals God and his purposes and works weaves his glory and our good together so that you can't pull them apart. They're braided together. God's glory, our good. The Sabbath is first of all for God's glory. It's a day set aside for worship. God has appointed the Sabbath day for his honor and his glory. God desires for his people not only to worship him in their homes each and every day, but to gather publicly and worship him in The congregation, it's a day set aside for the praise of his name and for thanksgiving for his grace and salvation. And that's important to remember. Just as the six days 
are first of all about God. Our six work days are first of all about glorifying God in the vocation he has given us. So too Sunday is first of all about glorifying God. We rest to glorify God. We worship to glorify God. The Sabbath is about God. And about what he has done in Jesus Christ. It's about his glory and his honor. We must have that theocentric view of Sunday. It's for God. For his glory. But God's glory is braided and intertwined with our good. Because God is our Redeemer, our Father, who knows us and knows our needs. That's why in Mark 2 verse 27 we read Jesus saying this, The Sabbath was made for man. And the idea is for the good of man. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Now, lots of people like to misuse that verse. That verse doesn't mean that we can decide what the Sabbath is. No, there's one Lord of the Sabbath, and that's Jesus Christ. And he determines what the Sabbath is and how it is to be observed. But the Sabbath was made by God for you. It's his gift. God has designed the Sabbath day with your best interests in mind. The all-wise God, who is your creator, who knows your frame, who knows your creaturely needs, has designed the Sabbath day for your well-being. The God who is not only your creator, but also your redeemer and father, who knows your spiritual needs, has designed the Sabbath day for your good. That comes out. In Exodus 20, in Deuteronomy 5, doesn't it? Exodus 20 emphasizes that our observance of the Sabbath is rooted in creation. God, our creator, knows our creaturely needs. And he gives us the Sabbath to meet those creaturely needs. But Deuteronomy 5, God is our redeemer. Who redeems us from sin. Who knows our spiritual needs. And he gives us a Sabbath day of spiritual rest as well. Sunday, Sabbath is divinely designed for your well-being. It's a gift of Father. Designed to refresh you and me. In body and soul. The Sabbath is for the whole man. And that that corrects a wrong view we might have sometimes, that the Sabbath is strictly spiritual. And that... There's no rest for the body. There's no refreshment for the mind. No, that's not the case. The, the Sabbath is first of all spiritual rest. But the Sabbath is given to refresh the whole man. It's for our rejuvenation spiritually and physically and mentally and emotionally. All the parts of us. God made man in the beginning a living soul, body and soul. And the Sabbath is rest for the whole man. Spiritual rest. Feeding us with his word. The Sabbath is designed to be a day in which the good shepherd gathers all of his sheep into his sheepfold and feeds them and refreshes them and leads them through the green pastures and beside the still waters. But it's also a day of physical rest. when He has us set aside our daily work. Put aside the toil and the troubles and rest. Be refreshed. God the Father cares for us body and soul. And because he cares for us, he gives us the Sabbath. Next week, 
we'll look at those spiritual activities that constitute Sabbath rest. And in doing so, we'll be learning about how to rest. That's how we should view it. Not merely as duties we have to fulfill, but how to rest body and soul. Thanks be to God for the Sabbath day. It is the best day of the week. Amen. Faithful God and Heavenly Father, Creator, Redeemer, we thank Thee for rest. We thank Thee for the special rest of the Sabbath day. Grant that even this Sabbath day may be used for our spiritual as well as physical refreshment. That we may go forward into this week strong and able to resist the devil, to put off sin, to carry out our callings, the glory of thy name. Refresh us, Father, this day. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen.